You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, Partigan Estates invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears, no longer formally known as EPT Not Live. <laughs> That's okay? how we're going to play it from now on, are we? That's right. Yep, we're ju- we're not we're not saying that anymore. It's no longer formally known as that. It's its own thing now. Okay. Yes. Coming up on today's show, even though poker, our poker is not on TV, there's still poker somewhere, which is the internet and poker on TV, which is not our poker. But what? It doesn't matter. We've what I'm saying is we've got some top fives. We have to go over today from the internet, and there are some poker scenes in Sneaky Pete. I haven't uh, so started watching this TV. yet. Yeah, so we'll talk a little bit TV in a minute. James, I won't say too much about Sneaky Pete yes, then. I haven't seen it, and I do. I think I have got it on my watch list, so I am going to get around to watching it. So let's keep it spoiler-free if possible. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I wanted to take my Valentine's Day date to go play in a home game, but the rest of the losers wanted to actually treat their dates and wives and girlfriends well and not torture them for the sake of a podcast, so they moved <laughs> the game to Wednesday. So well, that doesn't result, work for us, does it? Right. As a result, there will be no event recap from the home, my Valentine's Day home game like I wanted to do. But I do have a special replacement sort of bonus feature coming up where throughout the show we'll be getting to hear some of the Valentines actually being sent by today's top professional poker players. So hang in there for all those. I did go to see John Wick 2 which has a tenuous connection with poker, given that me and James and famous poker player saw John Wick 1 together. Oh, yeah, we watched it with Griffin Benger in Toronto. Yes, and that's pretty much the whole story. But I wanted to talk a little John Wick 2 later on. Uh, John Wick 1, probably not the correct way to say that, I don't think. It was just John Wick, and the second one, I believe, is John Wick Chapter 2. Yeah, it's because I wouldn't say Rambo First Blood Part 1. That's just weird. No. Anyway, speaking of weird, Will Ho is our super fan, and he's challenging me to a Pokemon fight. Now, talking of super fans, we did actually have a complaint about last week's show. I kind of feel I should read it in the dear Pokestars voice. Uh, this is from <laughs> Keith Woodward, who wishes it to be known that on episode 75 of Poker in the Ears, question three of the quiz with Mr. Jimmy Staples, I believe Joe Stapleton confused Dorothy Hamill as Dutty Hamilton. Get it right, Poker Stars. <laughs> did you add the get it right, Poker Stars? I did add that. Keith wants to point yeah. out that he's not trolling. He's just pointing out the errors of your ways. I typically get really, really um, like irrationally angry when listeners correct me. And for some reason, this didn't bother me that much. It might have been because I like Keith a lot, but I was like, eh, he's right. I don't care. <laughs> didn't, like, make I care. didn't make any difference. Didn't make any difference. Jamie Staples still won the game. Absolutely. So, James, as I mentioned, the uh, the the home game was canceled last night. So, no event recap. But uh, you know what? I'm going to deliver some professional poker player valentines. We are going to deliver some professional poker player valentines. Poker in the ears presents Valentines, poker style. Live Bury. Roses are red, violets are blue. I'm still with Igor. Sucks to be you.
So it was Grammy weekend here in L.A. over the weekend, James. Uh, I went to the movies. I got caught up in some Grammy stuff. Yeah, I have to say the Grammys always kind of play second fiddle on this side of the Atlantic to the BAFTAs because the BAFTA Film Awards are always the same night. So oh, over really? here, yeah, we were watching those. And then I woke up the next day and was like, oh, yeah, it was the Grammys as well. They're still a thing. Well, maybe you have some good news coming out of the BAFTAs because Space Monkey was completely shut out of the Grammys. I believe. Are you fucking kidding me? I believe that it had to have been released by the 31st of December 2016 in order to be eligible. So next year, watch out for it at the Grammys. Okay. Well, I, you just basically talked me off. God, I love this song. Oh, so good. You just basically. Sorry, I said enjoy Space Monkey for a second. Um, you talked me off a ledge right there. Okay, looking forward to it next year. Talk to me about the BAFTAs a little bit. What what did I miss? Like, what were the big winners? What uh, were the upsets? The big winners were La La Land, basically. And as far as British films are concerned, uh, do you know Ken Loach's movies? Um, the name sounds familiar. I may have seen one or two, but I can't like put it all together right now just based on his name. Well, Ken Loach had a movie out uh, last year called I, Daniel Blake, which obviously, like all of Ken Loach's movies, is highly politically charged, has polarized political opinion to a certain degree, but it was honored by BAFTA. Uh, I think Ken Loach's work is masterful, so I'm very pleased to see him honored. Oh, I tell you what you would have liked, Joe. Uh, they always have at the end, like, the BAFTA Fellowship, which is a bit like the honorary Oscar award. It's basically something they give to people as a kind of like, shit, you're going to die soon, and we really should have given you an award earlier. Uh, <laughs> Mel, Mel Brooks was presented with the BAFTA Fellowship. And obviously, wow. there's a guy who's produced some fantastic movies over the years. And it was great to see Mel in London at the Royal Albert Hall uh, get up and give a speech to the, the British film world. So not to, uh, I mean, if I could briefly transition, not transition, but draw a parallel to the American Poker Awards. How does Mel Brooks, how do they justify giving it to like, well, you know, a, an American? Well, the BAFTA Film Awards are awarding film from around the world just okay. because it's the british academy awarding uh, the prizes doesn't mean they're only for british films but there were specific awards for like a british director or a british film but generally like best picture for example went to la la land so specter didn't win no specter was last year oh okay i couldn't remember what year that was but also it was terrible yeah that that's was more, the more of the reason why it wouldn't have won well, I went to see uh, John Wick 2 over the weekend, and, uh, you know, James mentioned it in the opener. This, uh, the original John Wick was, like, one of the best movie-going experiences I ever had. We were working a gig in Toronto. We were hanging out with Griffin. We were having a great night. I knew literally nothing about the movie. Likewise. Uh, my friend just tweeted, John Wick is awesome. And so I was like, cool, let's go see it. And then I was just floored by this movie. And love the world they created. James John Wick 2 is like, other than like normal sequel drop off, is perfect. Well, see, the thing I really liked about the original, apart from the fact that it was just a completely honest action movie, which was just a series of great set pieces and headshots, were the cameo appearances from all these TV actors, mainly actors from HBO shows. Please tell me they've kept that up for the sequel. They've kept that up, and also they've really expanded on that universe. Oh, fantastic. You know, there was some, obviously all the action is like highly unrealistic, but like yeah. they tried to set it in, in when they're outside of the underworld, like a pretty realistic, you know, modern day New York city. But then when he's doing these scenes, you know, like in the hotel and stuff from the first one, yeah. there's this whole like comic book universe basically. And they expand on that quite, quite a bit. And it, and it's all pretty 
lovely, just the way the first one was. Fantastic. Really looking forward um, to that. Really quick recommendation. I So I finished Sneaky Pete. We won't talk too much about it, actually. It's just, James, it's a great con show. It's Graham Yost, who is, who is the showrunner on Justified. Uh, there's some poker scenes in it, so I'm really looking forward. When you see it, we'll talk about the poker scenes. Uh, some are good, some are bad. Okay, as with most poker in movies and TV shows. Uh, the TV series I'm watching at the moment is Taboo, which is the new one from Stephen Knight, who created Peaky Blinders and also directed the film Lock with uh, oh, yeah. Tom Hardy. And Tom Hardy is one of the co-creators of this show, uh, set in kind of early 19th century England under the Prince Regent. Really, really great drama, kind of political Oh, that's the one where the the poster, he's like terrifying looking, right? Yes, he's like that's the one. He's in like the weird voodoo makeup or something. Yes, that is exactly the one. Is it scary? It's not scary, no. It's got a kind of creepy kind of voodoo type dimension to it. But no, really recommend it. But it's really weird because it's, I thought it was a six-parter. So, uh, because a lot of uh, British dramas are. I think it's on FX here, though, in the States. I believe that's true. So I waited for the six episodes to record and then blew through it in a week and realized, ah, it's actually eight parts. So now I have to wait till this coming Saturday to watch episode seven and the Saturday after that to watch episode eight. And now I feel like I've gone old school where I'm literally like, Make an appointment that at 9.15 on a Saturday night, I'm going to watch the latest episode of this BBC drama. Well, you know, what's weird is that I think that it's really a testament to how good this show is then, because there are certain shows that I've ended up doing that for, even though I'll binge most stuff um, like The Bachelor, for example. I need to see what's happening right (laughs) away, James. I need to keep up with The Bachelor. So the thing I'm currently watching right now is Goliath, the uh, Billy Bob Thornton, David E. Kelly legal drama on Amazon, and it's fucking great. It's so good, actually, that last night I was on a date for Valentine's Day, and I'm on, like, episode eight. And I'm like, how can I get rid of her so I can go home <laughs> and watch Goliath? Because it's never going to fly for me to be like, hey, what's up? Like, come back to my place and watch episode eight of a TV show you haven't seen yet. Oh, my. This is so much good stuff on TV at the moment. It's so hard to watch it. And there's lots going on in the world of poker, he says, making a tenuous link to... What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for Poker in the Is News. And a couple of things which I think most people have heard by now, but we should probably still discuss. And a couple of things that I know people won't have heard about. Uh, the first being that Igor Kurganov is now a member of Team PokerStars Pro. Welcome, Igor. We're, we're no, he's no longer a PokerStars-in-law. Now he's a full-on PokerStars. Yeah, so great to see Igor join the team. Uh, A guy who obviously represents the high stakes community, a guy who obviously does a lot of work for charity. Um, Should point out that we did have Igor on a relatively recent edition of this show. It was episode 62. So if you go back in the feed and want to listen to that interview, you'll hear that Igor is a very interesting chat with a lot of uh, opinions and able to articulate a lot of things very intelligently. So well worth listening to that interview, but great to have Igor on board on the team. Uh, The other thing which I imagine most people have seen by now, because it was announced on the corporate section of the PokerStars blog, was that there is a new game coming to PokerStars soon called Power Up Poker. You see this one, Joe? I saw it. Well, I, I mean, I saw the press release and then I realized that I have a podcast, so I didn't have to read it. So I just sort of deleted it. What it, It's kind of like Uno, right? It's got like, you know, a draw for wild and a 
and a skip and a reverse and stuff like that, right? I think people would probably compare it more to Hearthstone than to Uno. It's a poker game that gives you powers, that gives you uh, certain skills, uh, special moves that you can make. I should point out, by the way, that this game is only in alpha test mode at the moment. This is by no means a finished product. Does it? Does that mean you have to be like an alpha bro to test it? Like, yo, what's up? Let me let me <laughs> let me play your power up poker, bro. Do you even power up poker? I saw a lot of people, by the way, say this looks very similar to Hold'em X, which is a game that Alex Dreyfus launched, I think, last year. I can testify because honestly, this game has been talked about more inside these walls than anything that's come out in the last few years. This has been in development for some time, and it predates. Hold'em X. I do think it's a case of great minds thinking alike, and I do think it's a case that people realise there is definitely elements of other popular games that can be brought into poker. And obviously, uh, what poker stars are trying to do is to really kind of make it a mainstream product that the existing players and new players are really going to sort of take to their hearts. This uh, now, this I know has been in development for a long time, James. And so, let's just, for argument's sake, say that it, ha- it was before this. But I pitched this exact idea, like on my first day of the big game, to uh, to a poker star's executive, and he was like, oh, "Okay, thanks." Ah. Like, had no interest whatsoever. I'm just glad to see it's a thing, even though I won't I won't make a dime from it. But it's fine. I mean, hey, maybe they'll make a TV show out of it, and then I could. I can get my uh, my royalties that way. Well, obviously, that's one of the reasons why I know that this has been in development for some time, because obviously we've looked at various options for how do we integrate elements of this game into a potential TV format, and those conversations still continue. So watch this space. Um, I have a quick update on Panama. Remember the Panama qualifiers, the spin-and-go qualifiers were running over the last few weeks. That promotion yeah. has now ended. 39 people one packages to the PokerStars Championship event in Panama. But of course, as one promotion ends, another begins. Remember, straight after Panama is the PokerStars Championship event in Macau. And now you can qualify to go to Macau for just $10. Those spin and goes are currently running on Stars. Uh, a $10 spin could see you win a package which will get you buy into the main event, roughly five thousand US dollars, plus eight nights accommodation at the City of Dreams, plus travel expenses, which are credited to your account as soon as you've won that spin and go. And I believe it's um, fifty in one hundred thousand spins will see you win that package, which is worth a total of eight thousand US dollars, just shy of eight thousand US dollars. <laughs> I just realized that we that we used to have like a specific shilling segment and we don't do that anymore. We just slipped it into the news. Well, the reason I'm slipping it into the news is because Panama is our next live stream from the PokerStars Championship. But here is a piece of news that nobody yet knows because it hasn't been announced. So consider this a Poker in the Ears exclusive. It's so exclusive, Joe doesn't know about this. There is going to be a bonus live stream on PokerStars TV from the PokerStars Festival in Rosvodov that's happening at the beginning of March. Now, we did say at the start of the year that we would only be live streaming the championships, not the festivals. 
But the King's Casino in Rosvedov has its own 24-7 live streaming facility. There's like a webcast table. There's a graphic system. There's commentary stations already there. So they basically said, why don't you guys just live stream the last two days of the main event on the 12th and 13th of March? So that's what's going to be happening. The last two days of the festival main event will be on Pokistan's TV. Now, there is overlap with Panama, and that did create a slight logistics problem when it came to commentators. So here's how it's working. I'm flying to Panama on the 13th of March. I can't go to Rosvedov. Joe, it makes no sense for you to go to the Czech Republic for two days when you're LA-based, but we are going to be sending Matt Broughton, so the other commentator, the other member of the Poker in the Ears team, will be out there live streaming the 12th and 13th. Not 100% sure who Matt's going to be partnered with yet. I know that Jamie Staples is going to be in Rosvedov because he told us last week. So maybe Jamie can do some of the live stream with him. But yes, bonus coverage for you on Pokestars TV on the 12th and 13th of March. And then on the 16th of March, five days of live coverage from Panama from the Pokestars Championship. That's very cool. I'm a little bit worried for Matt, though. Matt alone in Rosvedov without us to, you know, keep him in line. I think it could be some, I think there's going to be some trouble. Yeah, there's not even going to be a producer on site. So things could go <laughs> off the rails. The final piece of news before we move on is the all-important PokerStars TV home game, which we told you about last week, scheduled for Thursday, the 2nd of March. If you are not yet a member of the home game club you can join but you are going to need two crucial pieces of information the club id and the invitation code so here is the club id 2046120 that's the club id and the invitation code is uncle daddy that's all Aww. one word lowercase uncle daddy all one word lowercase that's the invitation code you need to play in the game. So I can tell you the tournaments that have been scheduled and registration's going to open very soon. In fact, by the time most of you hear this podcast, I'm pretty sure registration's going to be open for all of these games. I'm going to give you the times in GMT. So if you're in Central Europe, just add an hour. If you're on Eastern Time, subtract five. At 7.35, we're going to kick things off with the warm-up, which is a $1 buy-in. And it's going to be a turbo. The main event will be at 8 o'clock. And that is a $5. Obviously, there's a $50 reg fee as well. This is GMT? All GMT these times. Uh, if things go wrong for you in the main event, or if you are someone who's capable of multi-tabling, because apparently that's what the kids do, Joe. Uh, what? There are some More extra... than one table at a time. That's crazy. There are some extra games currently scheduled, and there could be more because it's very easy for me to spawn new games while we're live on Twitch. Uh, at 9 p.m., there is a $10 high roller. This is for those of you with big bankrolls because there is one rebuy and one add-on in this Whoa. high roller event. Uh, if that is a bit out of your bankroll, I can tell you that at 9.15, there's a second chance event. So the main event was a $5. But there's another $5 game, a second chance KO. There's bounties in this one. And finally, uh, a 50-cent turbo rebuy that's going to be kicking off at 10 o'clock. Wow, this sounds fun. So there's four events at least... 
Five events, if you include the warm-up, before the main event. Uh, we're going to be live streaming on Twitch, hosted on the Pokestars Twitch channel. And a reminder that the club ID, if you're not already a member, the club ID 2046120, the invitation code Uncle Daddy, lowercase or one word. What time does the broadcast go live this, at, at the start of the warm-up? 7.30 to give us five minutes to set out our stall, play the warm-up, give people a good half hour, 25 minutes to register for the main event that starts at 8. I just want to know when James said that he can spawn tables and tournaments like as often as he wants, if you guys at home had the same mental image I had of like the alien queen from Aliens, <laughs> like... <laughs> I like spitting out fucking poker stars, sitting ghost James's face on it. If only it were that exciting. Poker in the Ears presents Valentine's Poker Style. Fedor Holtz. A love like ours is one that should be admired. And unlike my poker career, from playing the field, I'm definitely retired. TV recap. All right, so this week we are we got nothing on TV, but we do have some content being created and or produced and or repackaged and put out on PokerStars.tv. Exactly, which has the letters TV in it. Therefore, this constitutes a TV recap. Sure, fine, whatever. I don't really think it's our show. We can we can we can play the TV recaps thing and say whatever fuck we want afterwards. Well, we don't have to justify it. When we had um, a bit of a lull in TV highlight shows last year, we started um, putting out these top five VTs, these countdown VTs, and they were insanely popular. And so we decided people like them. Let's make some more. And the good news is, obviously, as part of PokerStars buying Full Tilt a few years back, we now own. All of those old Full Tilt shows like Poker After Dark, uh, the National Heads Up Championship, the Million Dollar Cash Game. So the great thing is with our expanded vault, there's more hands, more characters, more content that we can put in these. Which is why obviously we're able to do the Tom Dwan and Helmuth countdowns because most of the hands involving those guys were on Full Tilt shows, not on the Stars shows. James, don't you think some of those Full Tilt shows could use a bit of an update commentary-wise? Are you angling for some work, Joe? <clears throat> Maybe. I tell you what I do find weird, and obviously it was the style of the show, and I think it works when you're watching Poker After Dark late night as a TV show, but if you're watching A Hand in Isolation, the absence of commentary for 90% of the time is really, really weird. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I actually think that that there's a skill in that it's going to sound ridiculous but the fact that ali didn't feel the need to fill the space all the time i mean i'm not capable of it like yeah. if there's like more than four seconds of dead space even on this podcast we chop it out later like <laughs> i don't like i i couldn't even do that if i wanted to exactly so we had the dwan and helmuth countdowns but they're not just about characters they're also thematic so last week joe we had the top five controversies or controversies however you want to say it and uh, you wanted to break this one down and we're also going to break down this week's which came out today on pokestars tv which is the top hands or top moments of 2016 should we start with the top five controversies yes let's do this chronologically 
Wait, chronologically or the order they were in the video, or is that how they were presented in the video? No, 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 no. I mean, controversies came out last week, so let's Got do it. controversies before 2016, which was the, d- d- just 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 launch into I, the top five. I, ju- I just learned what the word chronologically means, like yesterday. So that's all. I was just clarifying. All right, number one uh, in the video controversy is Andy Black. Number five. Remember, they count right, down from sorry. five to one. I meant to say the first one well, that they show in the video is Andy Black. Uh, and what's that guy's name? Peter Eichart? Yes. I can't believe I just conjured that. Basically, Peter Eichart, you know, um, makes a comment on the hand that he probably shouldn't. And he does a good job of admonishing him afterward, but then kind of goes, like, uh, just takes a little too far, I feel like. But guy, I, I don't know. I, I think wasn't I counted it. Peter Eichart, I think, apologizes like five times, and he's still going at him. Yeah, so I don't know if it's top five controversies or top five awkward, but that's like just a very uncomfortable moment. And um, James, you had a good line in that. You know, you were like, I don't know what was worse, the crime or the punishment. I can't take the credit for this one, Joe. This was Summer who was producing these. She wrote that line. So full credit to her. All right. Hand, uh, not number two, but the second hand in the video was now this was awesome, James. This is a hand I'd never seen before. It's like from a full tilt show. The million dollar um, cash game. Yeah. And uh, I really love this hand, except for why am I listening to David fucking Tuckman? Because he and Gary, the choir boy Jones were the commentators on the million dollar cash game. This TV show is like 10 years old. You just made that up, right? Gary, the choir boy Jones. That Gary sounds Jones. like a Sunday morning wrestling character. Gary Jones, who was a major fixture on TV poker in the early 2000s, played on late night poker, was the first guy I ever did poker commentary with on the World Cup of Poker in 2005. Well, where is he now? What happened to him? I think he left poker to go and work on environmental charity causes. Hey, okay, that's great. So basically he's doing what I am doing is trying to make it in Hollywood, failing and then deciding to like work in a nonprofit after that. That's that sounds like a my career trajectory. Um James, you said this show is 10 years old. They have the glass table whole card cameras. Yep. I am having been around TV shows where they use these, you generally have to take a break every orbit and have someone come on and literally clean the glass cuz they get really like mucky and fingerprints. I bet. Especially because, like, you're shooting them, so you're going to see it no matter what. Absolutely. And as soon as we started, sh- everything started being shot in HD, it's showing up every single smear on the glass. Uh, speaking of smears, all I could picture was, uh, like, I would just, how I just put my junk up on the glass and just as, like, a joke for the camera. Did anyone ever do that? Did anyone ever put something funny up on them? Uh, not that I ever encountered. Oh, and wh- where were the graphics? What do you mean, where were the I, graphics? They didn't put the hand graphics up until, like, I don't know, three quarters of the way through the hand. Look, uh, to be honest with you, did you see those graphics? We haven't even gotten to the controversy yet, so we might as well do that. Now, at the end of the hand, James, you say there were three etiquette infractions. I only saw the one. Well, again, Summer, the producer, wrote that line, so I have to give full credit to Summer for that one. Is that credit or blame? As in, I forgot to ask what the other two were, but I assume she can count. Okay, fine. I, but anyway, yeah, the infraction here is that, uh, what's it, Mike Matisau, which, by the way, another great reason to watch this hand, because it's like all of your favorites, like an all-star lineup. Matisau doesn't realize that Phil Ivy hasn't folded, that he still has cards. And I think, James, Mike's got a really good point in this hand. 
You can't see Phil's cards. He's got a whole bunch of chips on top of them, right? But equally, Phil Ivey's got a good point, which is, you know, I know who is in a hand at any single point. No, no. I like, I, it, sure, I'm sure he does. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure. First of all, I think that's bullshit. I think that 99% of the time, everybody knows who's in the hand. Sometimes you forget and you go to look for the whole cards. And if they're covered up by a big stack of chips, I feel like the blame. It, I want to blame Fillmore, to be honest. Uh, it wasn't one chip. I don't know if you remember in the clip. He's oh, no, got like four, four stacks of small chips on him. Like, I think that's outrageous to not own that a little bit. Yeah, but ultimately, it's just a great confrontation. And it's just one of those moments, which, as yes. you say, is completely awkward. Yep, more awkward. Now, the next hand in the lineup here was a hand that could have been more awkward than it was, and it heads that direction for a while. Yeah, this is the heads-up battle from Prague uh, 2015. This is uh, Gleb Tremzin against Hussein Ensan. And it was uh, Hussein Ensan raising, Gleb thinking he was calling, and Gleb says, good call. Hussein Ensan then hears call and thinks his raise has been called. And it's like, well, I, I'm therefore owed more chips. And so many members of tournament staff weighed in on this one. But ultimately, Hussein Ensan just went, do you know what? I'm good. I don't need any more. It's clearly misunderstanding, clearly a mistake. Let's move on. Yeah, it was like the perfect storm of misunderstandings that could have just been a real disaster. And then in the end, the two guys just worked it out amongst themselves. Now, James, I know that all decisions are at the tournament director's discretion. So yeah. is this one of those situations where like, typically they don't let players. Well, this is, I mean, this is one of the issues that I, I had with this. Uh, I remember at the time when we did the live stream and it's also in the TV show and, and in this hand is that Hussein Ensan claims that he said the word raise when he pushed the chips in and the dealer backs him. So the tournament staff are getting information that's false he does not say the word raise. Now, when he pushes his chips in, it's enough. It's a legitimate raise. Right. But Gleb Tremzin didn't ask for clarification. He thought it was a call. But he crucially, Ensan did not say the word raise. The dealer thought he did, told the tournament staff he did. And that's why it took so long for them to try and reach a conclusion. But they thought, well, if he's verbally announced the word raise and you then say the word call... So I'm glad it worked out amicably as it did. Yeah, absolutely. Could have been way worse. And just <clears throat> both those guys were super likable. So it was a nice little memory going back to that. The next hand up here is Daniel Negreanu shooting an angle. If you watch our, uh, you know, our stuff, you've probably seen this one once or twice before. But I still, uh, James, I have two questions about this hand. Sure. One, do you think that Daniel really meant to do this or that he messed up and he's still kind of trying to keep everybody on their toes by saying he was shooting an angle bearing in mind that i saw him make exactly the same move a season earlier in monte carlo i think he did it deliberately okay fine and then two how does he ca not catch more shit for that like anybody else does that and i think a way bigger deal is going to be made about it ultimately i can't disagree with daniel assessment of the situation which is it's a perfectly acceptable part of the game it's deception which kind of leads you on to the Ivan Freitas hand spoiler alert that's number one on the countdown where that line is Daniel's false misclick if that is acceptable and we don't give Daniel shit for that should Ivan Freitas's I know speaker English I said raise but I meant call 
should that be allowed? Because again, it's misinformation. It's throwing your opponents off. Well, what's weird is that it, I really want to hate Yvonne Freitas until then, till Daniels does it. And then I'm like, oh, well, maybe it's okay. I can tell you for a fact, because I've spoken to Daniel about the Freitas hand. He admires what Freitas did, and he has no problem with what Freitas did. Uh, that is a hot take on the Freitas hand. And I mean, I wish I weren't so gullible, but like, man, I'm just so easily swayed because I'm like, yeah, okay, Daniel's got a point. And I was pretty rough on that dude on that hand. Uh, and everyone was at the time. I still hate it as a move, by the way, but I hate the call even more. Armed with that information, I appreciate it's only a min raise, but how the hell does Eugenia Knight call there with just one pair? Yeah, I have no idea. Maybe he just needed to see for himself, or maybe, you know, maybe he didn't exactly agree with the way the tournament director handled it. And so he thought that he should probably call anyway if he was going to call before he had that information. I really don't know. Um, and also, that's baffling, but not nearly as baffling as how not upset he is. Yeah. Like, he's like, yeah, no, I'd heard that had been happening. Cool. Like, I I would have been, like, screaming into a pillow. <laughs> the other players at the table are clearly more um, annoyed about it. And Thomas Kremser, the tournament director on the EPT back then, was absolutely disgusted. Yeah, I like, uh, wow, what are, what's, I've got some thinking to do, James, what? <laughs> about what, whether or not that's a, I'm cool with that or not. But ultimately, my opinion doesn't fucking matter anyway. Well, let's uh, let you think on that and rattle through this week's top five then. Uh, came out on Wednesday on PokerStars TV, the top five hand of 2016. And let's be clear with all of these countdowns, we are talking about hands from PokerStars events. We're talking about TV shows from the PokerStars library. I appreciate that if you were talking about all hands that Phil Helmuth has ever played, that there's going to be some which we don't have access to, for example. And the same here. When we talk about top five hands of 2016, we're talking about hands that were played at PokerStars events. Um, and it starts off with a hand from Dublin, where Mustafa Kanet bluffs Anton Bertelsen, the Queen Nine against Queen's hand. And this was our ambition for this week, Joe, because we never really talked in detail about this hand at the time on the live stream, was to get Mustafa Kanet on this show to talk us through it. And sadly, because Mustafa is, what, travelling around Australia and Asia, he can't be with us today. Yeah, he was just leaving Australia today, so he couldn't do it. Uh, first of all, this top five, these hands were actually far more interesting to me than the controversy hands because my long-term memory is better than my short-term memory. And it was like some of these, even though my voice is on it, I was like, I was literally seeing them for the first time. <laughs> and so this uh, Mustafa Canet hand, um, th this is such an amazing play. Like he played it in such a way that I would say he's a total fish if I didn't think he knows what he's doing. But clearly um, on every single street, he knows exactly what he's doing and he approaches every single move with a long-term plan. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think that this this is such a weird line and such a weird play that he's going to be doing it so infrequently that he can just occasionally do it and get away with it. You know, like, and we just happen to catch it. You know what I mean? Like, like that twice in your career, you can throw like a knuckleball in an MLB game and not get it knocked out of a park. Like that's just what he did. It was, it's really an incredible hand. Yeah. Uh, and then we go to something a little bit different. I mean, some of these hands are masterful play. Some of them are just circumstance. And this is one of them 
hands or two of the hands rather that fall into that category. Uh, Indy Rajapaksi, this is the dental assistant who famously fixed Matt's tooth temporarily yeah. uh, in an airport on the way back from the Bahamas. And Indy made it to Barcelona last year and on the bubble of the biggest main event we'd ever had on the EPT, he picks up aces and loses twice. <laughs> the first time aces against Jack's Jack on the river, and then all in with aces against Kitty Quo's ace 10. And there's two tens on the flop. I, I, if you, when you go back and watch this, you hear me laugh. You hear me laugh when he gets the aces cracked for the second time. And I don't think it's funny at all, but like, I'm just one of those people that laughs when I'm in pain. And it's so painful. I'm just like, oh, my God. Yeah. This poor guy. I mean, that's what he gets. You know, that's what he gets for trying to help out Matt's bum tooth. Yeah. Um, but the key thing, and it's I say it in the VT, he takes it extraordinarily well. There are so many people in that situation who would just be devastated, crushed, and be bemoaning their luck. I'd be, like, anger crying. Like, but I would. I would be, like, in tears. But no, he took it really, really well. Uh, then the next hand is uh, another bluff. And this is Marty McCormick, who was a big character at the PCA last year, bluffing Toby Lewis. And obviously we had to cut some thinking time out of this one because obviously it's a big decision for Toby on the river. Um, trying to put his opponent on the hand. It's a paired board. There's a flush out there. And clearly Toby must fold the best hand because Marty McCormick shows ace-deuce for ace-high. Yeah, and throughout the course of this hand, now this is a cards down hand, so I am convinced that Marty McCormick has it. If I had it to do all over again, I would say the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, because in that situation, you're not you're risking more than your chips in your tournament life. You're risking looking foolish. Like, especially because Marty had been, you know, for lack of a better word, a, a verbal bully uh through a lot of that tournament. And so when he gets caught bluffing there and he just gets like exposed and knocked out of the tournament and like just has to leave with his tail between his legs. He is, he's gambling more than just the, the, the money and the chips at risk. So I would still say that he has it there. So that's just huge, huge courage there. And then we come to another hand, which is more about circumstance than it is about skill. And um, this is poor Sam Abernathy getting slow rolled at the Aussie millions main She's event. Fine. Yeah. He's doing fine. Especially because there's a six on the <laughs> river. The six for justice, as Jason Somerville says in the commentary. But yet this guy, I can't work out whether he genuinely has a difficult decision or whether he's just putting on a big show for the TV cameras. I think, I mean, did you see the size of that guy's neck? I think it just takes a long time for his, <laughs> his synapses to fire off. He was probably, you know, just a little bit slower moving in the old brain part. Uh, and the final hand, hand number one, the best hand of 2016, also the best last hand of any tournament, certainly I've ever covered, Barcelona main event, Sebastian Mallets, Uri Reichenstein, and just that river decision, the selfie, the drinking, the needing to go to the toilet, the emotion, the crowd. I mean, there is nothing that is missing from this hand. Well worth watching again, not necessarily worth going into that much detail discussing again yeah. as this will make it like the third or fourth time this well <laughs> in in the last 12 months but yes well worth watching again great top fives uh, i love them and i love valentine's day poker in the ears presents valentine's poker style 
Andre Latau. When I'm with you, it's like I've gone to heaven. You're so good in bed. I'm always coming seven. Superfan versus Stakes. Well, this week's Superfan is a man who claims to be on fire. Let's see if he can superfan the flames or if he is extinguished by Joe in a game of... I'm going to stop now. Uh, we welcome Will Ho to Poker in the Ears. Hello there, Will. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, Will. James, that intro was smoking. <laughs> hey, thank you. Thank you for providing the punchline that I couldn't. Um, Let's keep going. Will, speaking of bad jokes, are you related to Maria Ho? Huh? You, any relation? No. I have. I figured you'd ask this, and no, I'm not. <laughs> Unfortunately, the hoe is like a Smith in Chinese, so you, you see him everywhere. Dude, me and James just had this exact conversation like two seconds ago off the air. It's <laughs> blowing my mind right now how close to what you just said is the exchange James and I just had. The point so being, ridiculous. Will, that if your surname were Smith, we'd be asking if you were related to Gavin. It it doesn't matter what your name is. We're going to find some way of making some lame-ass joke. Don't worry. Trust me, I've heard them all. Any kind of hoe I've pretty much heard, I've pretty much heard them through my life. Now, you are a familiar name and face to us when we host the live streams. You're a regular contributor. and. As I said, to me, I will always associate you with Will Hose on Fire, which for a long time <laughs> was your handle on Twitter. Where on earth did that come from? Um, I was watching Will Griggs, and Will Griggs was on fire. And so far, oh, let's put the word hole in there. And then we'll stick with that, really. That's pretty uh, much well, how all of my catchphrases develop. I just take someone else's and change one word. Pretty much, yeah. That's how it goes for me. Just find a bad pun and just, just work on it, really. <laughs> Plagiarism saves time. Uh, yeah, pretty much. What do you do, Will? What's your deal? Well, I'm a design engineer from in Leeds, but um, I pretty much do everything else casually around the place. So I do a lot of fighting game events around Leeds as well, around the UK, and also just a recreational poker player as well. Did you say backgammon? No, not back. No, not backgammon, no. Oh, what did, what did I miss? Uh, well, yeah, I play poker a lot. So uh, basically, I started out at Warwick Poker. We had a lot of big names who used to be at Warwick Poker. I think you'll know them, like um, Rupert Elder like, and um, Alex Melek. So all, all those guys, like all the sickos you see now, they started out at the society, and I was one of the rejects. Wow, cool. Oh, you were, I was going to say, what, what happened to you? Um, went downhill. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Yeah, well, some instead. of us never went uphill in the first place. What kinds of things do you design? <laughs> Um, mainly just bits between the mortals and gearboxes. I, I'd say, I want to say it's interesting, but, um, I think I might bore you of all the engineering details. It's basically used for like large turbine stuff. That's all I can say. Uh, James, what's this clown pick yeah. for his, for his, uh, subject? Well, well, you were very, very specific. You wanted to answer questions. Specific. Well, it was not just Pokemon. It was Pokemon first generation. And because you felt it needed further clarification, the first 150, well, like, you know, in first generation, it's because there's a lot of Pokemon stuff, and I thought everybody will know Pokemon like from later ones, and everyone will know the first generation stuff. Like it's it's easier for me to explain than that. And I'll, I'll be I'll be honest, I'm trying to brush up on Pokemon now, just trying to see how, how much I can remember. And there's a lot of stuff I'm just trying to figure out now. So you I, might be I know might be pretty I know close. something I know something Will can't remember having What's sex that? in high school. 
Uh, Joe, do you have any knowledge of this subject whatsoever? No. So could good. That's why I'm taking taking my shots at will right now because, uh, man, here's what usually happens. I know nothing about a subject. I will say like the two things I know about it before the game starts, and then there'll be a question that I fucking ruin by saying it. Yes. So. There's basically nothing I know about Pokemon except a few lines from the theme songs and like a couple of names of those uh, of of the Pokemons themselves. Now I right. I know fuck all about this subject, so this is one of those weeks when I've had to outsource the questions. To be fair, producer Paul helped me out last week with the rounders questions. This week, Dave the intern was tasked with coming up with ten questions about Pokemon first generation. Um. And he has deliberately screwed me over by including words that I have no idea how to pronounce. Yes, finally someone else gets to look stupid besides me for a change. Also, I didn't know Dave the intern was a virgin. Cool. (laughs) So, Will, you are the guest. You are the super fan. You get to go first. You know the deal. There's 10 questions. Uh, Pick a number between 1 and 10. You know I'm going to pick first. It's always coming seven. You say that, but last week the guy went for number ten. Oh, well, uh, I better keep to the trend. Let's keep it at seven. Let's keep it with number seven. Okay. And the deal is, well, there are two points on offer if you can answer the question without taking the multiple choice options. If you need the A, B, C, D choices, the points reduce to one. So the question is, what is the most powerful move from Generation One? Uh, I could be a bit. I could be a bit ambiguous. I could, it could be anything, really. Well, would you uh, like the multiple choice options then? Yeah, let's go for multiple choice. Okay, is it self destruct, hyper beam, explosion, or solar beam? Uh, I think it's hyper beam. Incorrect. The answer is explosion. Oh, really? Didn't realize that. Boy, what? Oh, a, God, what I, a, I gotta catch up. <laughs> what a clever move! Explosion. Yeah. <laughs> I think I got blown. I got blown up on that one pretty bad. Okay, Joe, there are still nine questions available. One through ten, excluding seven. Where are you going? That's why Will Ho's on fire. Uh, question one. <laughs> question one. Oh, please don't take the multiple choice options. In the opening scene of the animated series, which two Pokemon are fighting each other? One of them is... Uh, I need the... Oh, shit. No, I need the multiple choice questions. Okay, is it... Sorry, James. Apologies in advance for any Pokemon fans for butchering this. Is it Pikachu and Meowth? Yeah. Marowak and Execute? Gengar and Nidorino? Or Jigglypuff and Drowsy? It's Pikachu and Meowth. No, it's Gengar and Nidorino. So we have a tied game, no score on the board. Will, your second question, what number would you like? Uh, Let's go with number two. Number two, which Pokemon has the highest base stat for speed? (laughs) Okay, this has got more technical than I thought, actually. Oh, Oh, man, we got a classic case of someone picking a specialty subject they'd know shit about. I I thought it'd be a bit more like, you know, just hit past history or something on the anime but again, the games again would you like the options which at least give you odds of three to one against go on there let's take it okay is it aerodactyl electrode mewtwo or jolton (laughs) i think it's supposed to be jolteon but jolton yeah that sounds right you're going for jolton incorrect the answer is electrode oh man i'm getting 
Well, don't, don't worry. Joe hasn't scored either yet, but Joe, it is your question. Man, I should have made all those jokes about these guys not scoring. Um, <laughs> I'll just take the next lowest question. Okay, which is number three. To win the soul badge, which gym leader would you have to defeat? <laughs> I'm assuming you'd like the multiple choice options. Yeah. Please. Is it Koga, Erica, Sabrina, or Giovanni? Erica. Incorrect. It's Koga. Oh, I'd have known that one as well. Fudge. Okay, well, pick another question, please. One, two, three, uh, and seven have all gone. Okay, let's go with number eight. Number eight. What is the name of Ash Ketchum's mum? Oh, I thought it was called a mom, really, didn't it? Well, she has a name, apparently, and I have four options if you'd like them. Let's take them. Okay, is it Delia, Serena, May, or Dawn? Okay, it's definitely not the last two. What was the first two options again? The first two options are Delia or Serena. Uh, Delia. Correct! We have a point Woo! in this game. Will is on the wow. board and leads 1-0. I don't look fraudulent anymore. <laughs> how do we just? I wonder. How do we get our audience back? <laughs> <laughs> you know that uh, function where you can scrub good. forward by fifteen seconds. That's just being clicked right now by much <laughs> everyone out there. <laughs> oh jeez. Joe, what question do you want? Four, five, six, nine, or ten? Nine's my lucky number. Let's go with nine. What is the most common type in Generation One? The most common type. Would you like the options? Yes, I'd like yes, the options, please, please James. Yes. Uh, water, normal, grass, or poison? Normal. No, poison, <laughs> obviously. Shit. Well, next question. Four, five, uh, six, or ten? All right, let's go with ten. Ten. How many steps do you get in the safari zone? Are we sure that Dave didn't just make these up? He could have very well made it up. Look, here's what here's what I want to know. How come nobody is capable? Like, has Dave ever listened to the show before? Does he not know that questions like this are terrible? I don't know. I think he made it a bit too specific. I thought it would be more interesting. Now, I think I have another in my head. It's an end in it. I swear it's... um. I'm going to uh, give you the multiple choice options. 200, oh, no, 400, think... 500, or 1,000. Definitely not 1,000. 500, I think. Yes, it is. You have a second point. Yes. Wow, all that fucking uh, moaning and you got it right. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I, knew it was a, I knew it was like something like a middle number. I can't remember how high it was. Though. A middle number. Well, that's a great description. Three questions <laughs> remain, and then we can bring this torture and suffering to an end. Four, five, or six, Joe? J James, I'm going to take the middle number. Five. Which Pokemon was originally intended to be the only legendary Pokemon? Pikachu? He doesn't even take the options. No, it was Arcanine. No, of course. Just tell me, Pika just tell me, uh, Pikachu was one of the options. No, it wasn't. Damn uh, it! Four no. or six, Will, for your final question. All right. Um, let's go with. Um, let's go four. What is the HP of the first edition Charizard card? What am I reading here? Oh, well, this one I actually do know. It's um, 120 HP. Oh my god, he did, does know it. That means he's yes. just scored four points. 
Uh, sorry, two <laughs> points to add to the two you've already got to make it a 4 0 game. Joe, salvage some dignity. Get on the board. Answer this question. Which of these Pokemon. So obviously you have to take the options. I'll give you the two points if you can get it right. Which of these Pokemon is not part psychic? Is it Jinx, Starmie, Slowbro, or Chansey? Chansey. Correct, meaning the final score is 4-2. Joe, you managed to <laughs> score, but not enough. Will, you won the game. You get the Everyone Loves a Chop Pot hoodie, and you get the $27 satellite ticket. Thank you very much, guys. I'll spend it wisely. Thank you so much for picking a subject that utterly baffled everyone, including the people <laughs> I tasked with setting the questions. Oh, man. Oh, well, thanks a lot, guys. At least I didn't do that. I wasn't fraudulent. At least I did knew something at the end. Good work, Will. I'm uh, so happy I got on the board. So you're saying there's a Chansey? Chansey, I think it's called. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there is a Chansey. Oh, God. All right. Get, get off my phone line. <laughs> All right. I'm off. Thanks a lot, you guys. All right, kids, that is all the time we've got for this week's show. Uh, next week, more top fives? Yes, I think there's still three more to come. And next week's is top five mistakes. And again, I appreciate that it is subjective what constitutes a mistake. But basically, these are hands where someone literally says, oops, because they've stepped in it. And that means that there's lots to talk about. So the Sam Abernathy hand, the Daniel Angleshoot <laughs> hand. No, five hands that you've not seen in any of these other countdowns. Certified fresh. Also next week. Now, I do believe tomorrow I am playing in a home game. Yes. Um, and it's with the same executive, former executive who yawned when I pitched him uh, power up poker. So uh, that should be a fun time here well, in L.A. Why so. don't you show him the press release and say in your face? He's, he's just going to claim that they already had it in development, like all good executives do. Uh, anyway, yeah, and so it's a, like a Hollywood-type home game, so hopefully there'll be some interesting characters there. Uh, and the next week's show, James, will be on the eve of the American Poker Awards, because that oh, is a week from tomorrow. Right. And, of course, it's meant to be the show where Matt Broughton joins us full-time, although there, there is a 10% chance that Matt might not be able to make it. For his first show? Yeah, there's still kind of, you may have seen his tweet earlier today with the eye patch. And oh, the, yeah, I did the, see that. Yes. So obviously, depending on his recovery and depending on the scheduling of follow-up medical appointments, he'll be with us. Excellent. Oh, and keep your eyes on my social media this week. I think I'm going to start a four-year consideration campaign for the American Poker Awards, and I'm going to put some fun stuff out there. So, uh, so you know, just because just I need to get a little bit of juice out of this. That is all the time we've got for this week. Oh, James has one more thing to say. Just very quickly, remember the hashtag on Twitter now is poker in the ears, all one word. And remember, that's the hashtag to use if you want to apply to be on Superfan versus Stapes. Joe, I've got Superfans lined up for the next two weeks. Would you like to know the subjects in advance? Sure, why not? Right, they're movies. So there's okay. every opportunity to do your research. Next week's topic, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Okay, love that. I think that movie is an absolute masterpiece. Love that movie. The week after, a movie that you must have seen countless times, Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. I've seen it a couple times. Okay, those are lined up. We have vacancies after that, so please apply on Twitter. Hashtag poker in the ears, remembering to include 
your specialist subject. Hashtag poker in the ears is out of here for this week. We'll catch you next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Until then, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. I'll smell you later.